There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I am Sean fangirl And I'm Steve, and today we'll be discussing episode three of season one of The Ark. This has so many people that I'm like, you need to be slapped. You really need to be slapped. Yes. How is wrong with you people? It's killing me. Yes. So, you have ratings for us for this episode? Yes, I do. So, three brought in a 0.05 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.310 million viewers, making it the 103rd rated cable show for the day. All right, people, you need to let all your social media know how good this show is. Good. I'm wondering if it's counting the when it's playing the next day on Peacock. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't I, seem to be. Yeah, I had to catch it the next day. Right. Some other issues going on. But it is so good. It really does grab you. Yep. It's really making me side-eye a lot of people, though. It's like, ooh. What about? Up to. What's yes. doing? What about this one? It's like, so it seems like maybe, and this is just a thought I'm having watching it, they should have had a whole lot more psyche valves before they put these people on the ship because yes. uh, nobody wants to work together is what I'm seeing. But we'll get to that. So episode three, get out and push. Sure, why not? All hope seems lost when the crew learns an asteroid is hours away from impact. Again, shouldn't you have better scanners to see yeah. this coming? We open with Lieutenant Garnett delivering a message to the ship. She tells the crew about the water shortage and how Arc 1 only has four days left of water. Oh, just perfect. Thus, Garnett reveals each person's daily water rations will be cut in half. Yeah, that's going to go over great. Yeah, it did not. As you see, one guy in mess hall just throw his plate down and stomp off. And the one snatch a couple extra and hide it in her shirt. It's like, right. where are these people? Lieutenant Lane believes they should have kept that information to themselves instead of stoking fires of fear shipwide. Well, how are you going to tell them, hey, we're cutting rations, but not tell you why? Right. However, Garnett asserts transparency is the best route. Lane and Garnett proceed to argue over whether the folks on the ship are now soldiers in this post-hibernation world. Wow, dude, come on, working together. Yes. Lieutenant Bryce urges his fellow lieutenants to cease arguing. They need to solve the water crisis. How can they fetch water without utilizing the engine? Lane suggests deploying the solar sails, but Eva reveals they must be close to a star for that to work. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you gotta have solar wind. (laughs) Alicia states that William Trust design is advanced, but can't account for their current situation. No joke. Oh, and I love it when she's like, wait, am am I a senior officer now? Yes. (laughs) And like everyone ignores her. It's like, suddenly the alarms blare. Bryce spots incoming asteroid that's in their flight path. Oh, great. Well, they'll collide with it if they can't steer clear. The asteroid will arrive in, oh, six hours. 
Next, Felix waltzes into the bridge to Comfort Lane. They never finish their conversation regarding the murder investigation. Okay, yeah, this is probably not the best time. No. Where were you, Lane, when Malcolm murdered? And Felix asks Lane how he knew about the location of the murder weapon. Lane claims Angus won't keep his mouth shut about it. And then Garnett steps in, defending Lane. She reminds Felix that they have bigger fish to fry. And it's not one thing, it's another, am I right? Oh, yeah. Well, we gotta come up with a plan. Meanwhile, Dr. Kabir browses sleepily through medical records. She lands on Bryce's files and begins examining them when a loud noise interrupts said examination. Kabir notices her cabinets are bereft of potent medication. Somebody or somebody stole from the med bay. While you're sitting at your desk. Behind a curtain. Well, wait. Yeah. She had fallen asleep, so. Yeah. I mean, she hadn't slept much, so. No, if at all. Yeah. Well, Alicia tries to lend a hand to the engineering team while Eva buzzes around consoles and tinkers with buttons. Garnett wants Eva to jumpstart the engines to speed away from the asteroid. Unfortunately, this endeavor backfires tremendously when the engines refuse to start. Not enough water. Then Felix investigates the medication theft in the med bay. Kabir impresses the importance of finding those drugs because they can be deadly. After her chat with Felix, Kabir tracks down Bryce to ask if he can stop by the med bay for a physical. She claims his file was destroyed and she must recreate a new one for her record. He promises to visit her after the current crisis passes. I swear to uh, like, wink too, like, don't worry, when this crisis is over, I'll be over. Wink. It's like, yeah. What? What? I'm thinking not. Next, Baylor comforts Alicia, who begins spiraling about the impending asteroid collision. Now she'll never see Proxima B, Arc 1's destination. Baylor encourages Alicia to help find a solution. She's the chief of life support and a super genius to boot. Emboldened by purpose, Alicia gets to work. Later, Angus gives the team an idea worth implementing. Bryce can fly the shuttle and literally push the ship off its current course. It's the get-out-push method. Bryce sits, I- sits inside said shuttle and attempts to start it, no dice. Well, we learn that Angus and Eva's team stole parts from the shuttle to keep other aspects of the Ark one in top shape. Again, but- only one shuttle? Yes, only one shuttle. Yeah, they needed one shuttle to get him down to the planet when they arrived. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of trip, yes. Garnett orders they return those parts to get the shuttle running. While Bryce runs repairs on his baby, Garnett, Lane, and others brainstorm another plan. Lane wonders what would transpire if they blew a hole in the hull via the men's bathroom. The air pressure might give them enough of a push that they need to change the course. Angus knows how to make explosives, too. He's got fertilizer and human remains. Then, Bryce tries multiple times to jumpstart the shuttle. He gets angry and shouts when it fails to run. And then he kicks it, and everything comes on. I love when they're like, no, 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 good luck, good luck. Like, and they're doing the hand gesture. Yeah. <laughs> Control. Uh, whatever. Meanwhile, Garnett, Lane, and Eva find the Raspillians who absconded with the Med Bay drug. Garnett orders the group who's currently hard at work partying to hand over the meds and clean up their mess. One of the partiers claims he won't listen to her and questions her authority. And that might not have been the right thing to say. Yeah, well, you also have the other lieutenant going, yeah, I don't know why we're listening to her either. It's like, dude, now is not the time. 
Yes, because Garnett slams him against the lockers and delivers a not-so-subtle threat. She threatens to toss everyone present out of the airlock if they don't do as they're bid. Naturally, the group hightails it out of there. Lane applauds Garnett for doing the right thing. For once, they're in agreement. Except seconds before, he was being a jerk. popping off, yes. Next, Angus sticks his fertilizer dead body explosive on the wall in the men's bathroom. Lane detonates it, and while the hull maintains its integrity, there's no telling whether the explosive helped shift their course. Oh, wait, there is. Angus reveals the explosive brought them off their current course. Asteroid crisis averted. Bryce excitedly barges on into the bridge, declaring he has finally fixed the shuttle. However, Angus's idea already saved the day, so Bryce repaired the shuttle for nothing. I'm feeling like, wait, what time is it? Yeah. It, it's like, this is over already? Yes. That's how it felt. Like, oh, okay, we have a whole episode. This one's kind of short. And then it's not. No. Because Alicia watches the asteroid pass the ship alongside Baylor and the crew. And light bulb. She spots an inexplicable tail on said asteroid. She runs to the bridge and informs Bryce that the asteroid is a comet. Comets can be mined for water. Eva suggests that they attach the hose to the comet, that they can suck up the water. They'll need to replenish their stores. Bryce heads back to the shuttle, and Eva stops him in the corridor. She rattles off a list of tasks Bryce should have accomplished before embarking on this mission. It's like, did you check this? Did you do this? What about this? Listen, calm down. We're there. Bryce confirms he did everything correctly, despite not being an engineer. He playfully asks if Eva's worried about him. It's like, no, I'm worried about the only thing that we have to get off this dang ship. Yeah. Then Angus walks in on Alicia and Baylor holding hands. Aw. Alicia opts not to stay on the bridge while Bryce takes the shuttle into the comet. Baylor asks her how Bryce can park himself on a moving comet. He seemed really interested all of a sudden. Yeah. And that's why I started to side-eye him. Yeah. He also informs Alicia and Angus about Bryce's reputation in the GSA. Fun fact, his talent shot him through the GSA ranks to become a gifted pilot. The trio wonders why he's now a navigator instead of a pilot. I mean, can he still fly? And that <laughs> takes you back to the med bay yep. when the doctor seen something flashing on the head. And like, oh, what's wrong with him? Yeah. But the crew tethers the shuttle to the ship before Bryce lands on the comet. We have that, like, drill. It's shaky and turbulent. Riddle drop, but Bryce eventually hits the comet's surface. He deploys a drill that burrows into the comet and Eva monitors how much water flows from the comet and into the ship's tank. Now, of course, I instantly went Doctor Who and I'm like, maybe you shouldn't drink that. You don't know. Water's Mars, just saying. Yep. <laughs> Suddenly, Garnett and Lane notice the tether keeping the shuttle attached to the arc begins to snap. Man, I thought it was going to go. Yeah. When Bryce landed on the comet, he shifted the main vessel's course ever so slightly, but it was enough to apply immense pressure on the tether as Arc-1 tries to veer away from it. Garnett and Lane order Bryce to return to the ship. It's not worth risking his life. However, Bryce refuses to budge, claiming the tether will hold, even though we see it straining under pressure. And I love he's, as he's talking to the ship, don't make a liar out of me. Yes. <laughs> Even notices that the stores are at 97%. However, Bryce insists that's not good enough. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Yeah. When their water storage is at 100%, Bryce finally departs. I'm also wondering, did they only have like one tank on there? Yeah. When Bryce returns to the ship, the crew greets him with glasses of ice cold comet water. Sounds weird, but. Yeah. Garnett and Lane embrace him. Bryce gratefully guzzles the water. 
Lane announces the water restrictions are lifted, so showers are back on the table. Eva's face falls and she flees the celebration. I feel like that was kind of weird, but okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kat gleefully hits the showers in the women's bathroom along with a few other ladies. And the second they said it, she was putting her hair up and running. Yes. Bryce barges in despite knowing it's the wrong bathroom. He informs those present that the men's bathroom is out of order. The explosive situation. Yes. Cat sneaks a peek. Well, not so sneaky peek. No. (laughs) (laughs) Takes the shower stall next to you. How many years in the future? Y'all know what everybody's got at this point. Right. Cat hears crying and realizes it's Eva. She finishes her shower and pulls Eva aside for a quick therapy session. (laughs) What fresh hell is this? Yeah. Felix returns most of the drug to the bed bay and offers his assistance to Dr. Kabir so she can rest. Yeah, I have some training. I can't do all of it, but I could help a little bit. And I yeah. love it. You do not know what you just, you know, turned yourself over for. Yep. After he departs, Kabir eyes those medications and ends up slipping a pill in her mouth. Well, that's not good. I'm guessing it's going to be like something to keep her awake instead of right. her sleep. Yes. Next thing we know, we see Kat chatting with Eva in the former quarter. Kat shows Eva a revealing facet of her physical appearance, her head. She's primarily bald, save for a few tufts of hair. Kat discloses her experience with a UV storm resulting in her hair loss. Eva shares that she lost her brother in a UV storm. Makes me wonder, like, does it burn you? I mean, I'm guessing. Yeah. After Kat puts her wig back on, she tells Eva that she's suffering from survivor's guilt. A part of Eva feels that she shouldn't celebrate when Harris and the others are dead pair dive into Eva and Harris's relationship. We then learn that there was a rule about couples not being allowed on board the same ark together. Kat surmises because of genetic diversity regarding procreation when they arrive on Proxima B, which, again, I thought that was kind of weird because if you're in a relationship, it's not like you have the same DNA. Right. Like, is something else going on? Yeah, I don't think there's any brothers and sisters on this ship, or at least none that I'm aware of. Like, I can understand that, but right. not just couples. That seems... Right, yeah. that Yeah, it, that's a rule that I can't understand either. It just makes absolutely no sense. Right, because if you're trying to populate a planet, right. likely to do that with somebody that you care about, as opposed to some rando stranger. Yes. Kind of weird, but okay. Eva delves into her feelings about Malcolm and why she's bad on his corpse. She blames Malcolm for Harris's death. According to her, Malcolm deserved to have his throat slit. Okay, is there something that we need to know there, too? Could be. Felix might need to add another suspect to his investigation list. Meanwhile, Garnett apologizes to Lane and vows to listen to him more. She wants to work together as a team. Lane is taken aback, but glad that they're on the same page now. Could this be the start of a new chapter? Probably not. Yeah. After they part ways temporarily, Lane receives a confidential notification from an unknown person to his communicator, watch, whatever you want to call it. They claim Jasper, a.k.a. Malcolm, hid his valuables in bulkhead J-22 that Lane should, you know, look into that. So who is sending these messages? Like, exactly. You have a confidential person. This seems weird. Yeah. But Lane ventures to Malcolm's bunk and ends up finding the hidden items and yes. video footage from the Florida pub. He sees what appears to be Garnett in a bar fight and taking a hell of a big guy on, too. Yes. In such a small girl, she slit someone's throat with uh, that bottle. And, well, that's awful similar to what killed Malcolm. Well, it looks like they mended fences between Garnett and Lane, and it's broken all over again now. Yeah. 
More than likely. So who is sending this message? Right. That's able to do it, like, anonymous. And why did that guy bring that on board? Did he know he was going to be on the same ship as her? Uh, Apparently so. Because, yeah, he brought it up as soon as, you know, she went in to talk to him in in that holding closet. Yeah. But she was brought on by somebody higher up, so... Right, at the last minute. So maybe they're aware of her killing that guy in the bar fight, but... Yeah, but, okay, Lane, what are you going to do? Yeah, we will see. she can take you on. Yep, yeah, we've seen that she can hold her on, because she already got into that fight with people in the mess hall about the ration. So So it's like, do you want to take this fight? I mean, is that really what you want to do? Yeah, I'm thinking... He probably ought to forget about it. Now, of course, he'll probably show it to Bryce and they'll him and Haw about if they should do something about it. And more than likely, they'll probably make an announcement or play the video on the in the mess hall or something. Okay. Show the whole crew. Yeah. So I can take you all on and take you all out. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast. With good ratings and reviews, it helps other fans of the show find us as there are plenty of other art podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcasts. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. You can go over to www.fangirlzone.com, check out our contact page there and all the ways to get a hold of us. And we will always answer you, even if it's after the season. So you might be listening to this much later than we're recording right now, but we will answer you with any questions, comments, and tinfoil hat theories you may have. So for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Steve. Too bad we can't get out and push. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And until next time.